It's August the 6th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to our year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Well, here we are. Think about this. January, done. February, done. March, done. April, done. May, done. June, done. July, done. And here we are, August the 6th. This is the eighth month of the year. Soon we'll be, we will be two-thirds of the way through the Bible. And I just got a note, I guess just a few minutes ago, from somebody who said we haven't missed a day yet. That completely blows my mind. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being part of this. And just a reminder, I have been saying to you how important it is to us that you like these videos. And you know what? You've been doing it. I've been watching. The number of likes has been growing and growing. If we graph it, it's going up like this. Thank you for that. And also, I ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel or to the Keep Believing Rumble channel. And a lot of you have done that. That's two ways every day you can help us by liking and liking these videos and subscribing to YouTube and to Rumble. And just some comments from friends. Someone said, I do pray for your voice. I feel it. I feel today the need of your prayers. Uh, someone else says, Larry, and I pray for you and your family daily. Someone else says, praying for you always, Brother Ray. Makes such a difference to me to know that friends across America and around the world not only have joined in, but are praying for God to bless the reading of his word and to make this very powerful. Thank you for praying for my voice. We still got a long way to go. Now today, Job chapters 9 through 12. Job, this amazing book, this wonderful book, really, it's, it stands alone, doesn't it? It's not like Genesis. It's not like Psalms. It's not like Daniel. It is certainly not like Acts or, or Luke or 2 Corinthians or Book of Revelation. I mean, there's 66 books, and some of them, there's a number of books that are like each other. Well, here's a book that's not like any other book in the Bible. It's the story of a real man who lived 4,000 years ago in the land of Uz, east of the Dead Sea, and how at the instigation of Satan, God gave Satan permission to touch Job's family, his children, his possessions, take it all away from him, and actually touch him physically so that his health was destroyed, the whole thing being the answer to the question, does God, does Job serve God for nothing? And Satan says the answer to that is no. He's only in it for what he can get out of it. And this book really proves that though Job suffered greatly, he, he complained, he, uh, he struggled, his anguish, his pain was real, but he would not curse God. He would not blame God. He would not turn away from the Lord. So we've got the simple outline, disaster chapters 1 through 3, Debate chapters 4 through 37, deliverance chapters 38 through 42. We got a ways to go. Right now, in these chapters, chapters 9 through 12, it's part of round one of the debate between Job and his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and so Zophar. And let me just remind you again as long as they were quiet, they actually were true friends. They only got in trouble once they opened their mouth. This is a good rule when you uh, 
are dealing with someone in great pain, great sadness, great adversity. Sometimes we feel the need to explain God, to justify God, to somehow help people understand why a loved one has died or why cancer has come or why there's been a terrible natural disaster. It is better to say less in those situations than to open our mouth and ultimately make things worse by by claiming to understand something that is ultimately hidden in the mind and heart of God. So now, Job chapter 9, Bildad, Bildad, the Shuite, has given his first speech. Here comes Job's answer, Job 9. Then Job answered, yes, I know what you said is true, but how can a person be justified before God? If one wanted to take him to court, he could not answer God once in a thousand times. God is wise and all-powerful who has opposed him and come out unharmed. He removes mountains without their knowledge, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place so that his pillars tremble. He commands the sun not to shine and seals off the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He makes the stars, the bear, Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. If he passed by me, I wouldn't see him. If he went by, I wouldn't recognize him. If he snatches something, who can stop him? Who can ask him, what are you doing? God does not hold back his anger. Rahab's assistants cringe in fear beneath him. How then can I answer him or choose my arguments against him? Even if I were in the right, I could not answer. I could only beg my judge for mercy. If I summoned him and he answered me, I do not believe he would pay attention to what I said. He batters me with a whirlwind and multiplies my wounds without cause. He doesn't let me catch my breath, but fills me with bitter experiences. If it is a matter of strength, look, he is the powerful one. If it is a matter of justice, who can summon him? Even if I were in the right, my own mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, my mouth would declare me guilty. Though I am blameless, I no longer care about myself. I renounce my life. It is all the same. Therefore, I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When catastrophe brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. The, the innocent, the earth is handed over to the wicked. He blindfolds its judges. If it isn't he, then who is it? My days fly by faster than a runner. They flee without seeing any good. They sweep by like boats made of papyrus, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I said, I will forget my complaint, change my expression, and smile, I would still live in terror of all my pains. I know you will not acquit me, since I will be found guilty. Why should I struggle in vain? If I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, then you dip me in a pit of mud, and my own clothes despise me. For he is not a man like me that I can answer him, that we can take each other to court. There is no mediator between us to lay his hand on both of us. Let him take his rod away from me, so his terror will no longer frighten me. Then I would speak and not fear him. But that is not the case. I am on my own. Ever feel that way? That's how Job felt. Job 10, 
I am disgusted with my life. I will give vent to my complaint and speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not declare me guilty. Let me know why you prosecute me. Is it good for you to oppress, to reject the work of your hands and favor the plans of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as a human sees? Are your days like those of a human or your years like those of a man that you look for my iniquity and search for my sin, even though you know that I am not wicked and there is no one who can rescue from your power? Your hands shaped me and formed me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Please remember that you formed me like clay. Will you now return me to dust? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and wove me together with bones and tendons. You gave me life and faithful love, and your care has guarded my life. Yet you concealed these thoughts in your heart. I know that this was your hidden plan. If I sinned, you would notice and would not acquit me of my iniquity. If I am wicked, woe to me. And even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am filled with shame, and I have drunk deeply of my affliction. If I am proud, you hunt me like a lion and again display your miraculous power against me. You produce new witnesses against me and multiply your anger toward me. Hardships assault me wave after wave. Why did you bring me out of the womb? I should have died and never been seen. I wish I had never existed, but had been carried from the wounds of the grave. Are my days not few? Stop it. Leave me alone so that I can smile a little before I go to a land of darkness and gloom, never to return. It is a land of blackness like the deepest darkness, gloomy and chaotic, where even the light is like the darkness. Third speech now of round one, John, uh, Job 11, Zophar, Zophar speaks. Then Zophar the Naamathite replied, should this abundance of words go unanswered and such a talker be acquitted? Should your babbling put others to silence so that you can keep on ridiculing with no one to humiliate you? You have said my teaching is sound and I am pure in your sight. But if only God would speak and open his lips against you, he would show you the secrets of wisdom. For two, true wisdom has two sides. Know then that God has chosen to overlook some of your iniquity. Can you fathom the depths of God or discover the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he passes by and throws someone in prison or convenes a court, who can stop him? Surely he knows which people are worthless. If he sees iniquity, will he not take note of it? But a stupid person will gain understanding. As soon as a wild donkey is born a human, as for you, if you re redirect your heart and spread out your hands to him in prayer, if there is iniquity in your hand, remove it and don't allow injustice to dwell in your tents. Then you would hold your head high, free from fault. You will be firmly established and unafraid, for you will forget your suffering, recalling it only as water that is slowed by. Your life will be brighter than noonday. Its darkness will be like the morning. You will be confident because there is hope. You will look carefully about and lie down in safety. You will lie down with no one to frighten you, and many will seek your favor, but the sight of the wicked will fail. Their way of escape will be cut off, and their only hope is their last breath. Get right with God, Zophar says. 
things will then go well with you. By the way, that's good advice, really good advice. And it's true as it stands. It just doesn't apply in Job's case. Job 12. Job's reply to Zophar, then Job answered, No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I also have a mind like you. I am not inferior, inferior to you. Who doesn't know the things you are talking about? I am a laughingstock to my friends by calling on God who answers me. The righteous and blameless man is a laughingstock. The one who is at ease holds calamity and contempt and thinks it is prepared for those whose feet are slipping. The tents of robbers are safe and those who trouble God are secure. God holds them in his hands, but ask the animals. They will instruct you. Ask the birds of the sky and they will tell you or speak to the earth and it will instruct you. Let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? The life of every living thing is in his hand, as well as the breath of all humanity. Doesn't the ear test words as the palate tastes foods? Food. Wisdom is found with the elderly, and understanding comes with long life. Wisdom and strength belong to God. Counsel and understanding are his. Whatever he tears down cannot be rebuilt. Whoever he imprisons cannot be released. When he withholds water, everything dries up. And when he releases it, it destroys the land. True wisdom and power belong to him. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away barefoot and makes judges go mad. He releases the bonds put on by kings and fastens a belt around their waists. He leads priests away barefoot and overthrows established leaders. He deprives trusted advisors of speech and takes away the elders' good judgment. He pours out contempt on nobles and disarms the strong. He reveals mysteries from the darkness and brings the deepest darkness into the light. He makes nations great, then destroys them. He enlarges nations, then leads them away. He deprives the world's leaders of reason and makes them wander in a trackless wasteland. They grope around in darkness without light. He makes them stagger like a drunkard. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in all of this. And I mean, what Bildad said is true as, as a general statement. God does bless the righteous and he does judge the wicked. It's totally true. And it's always good to get right with God. But Job's answer is, ask the fish. That's interesting we just read. Ask the fish. The fish know who did this. <laughs> Go talk to the stars. They know who did this. Go find the animals. Ask the animals who did this. Just talk to the earth. They know the hand of the Lord has done this. It is a great advance spiritually to understand that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Maybe I've told you this before, but I remember being a student Tennessee Temple College, later a university in Chattanooga, 50 years ago, listening to some radio station in the dormitory, and I heard a country preacher shouting. That's the way preaching was done on the radio 50 years ago, shouting on the radio. I don't know what his text was. I don't know. I don't remember anything except this, sitting there listening, and he just shouted this out over and over again. God do what he want to do. God do what he want to do. 
Well, that grammar's not really good, but the theology's great. This is Job's theology in Job 12. God is the one who stands behind it all. Remember again, remember, Satan, Satan, Satan is the one who brought Job up the first time. God brought him up the second time. Satan could not touch Job without God's permission. And that's why Job isn't even talking about Satan. In fact, as a side note, I think we're going to get to the end of the book. And as far as we know, as far as this story tells us, Job never knows about that conversation between God and Satan that took place in the courts of heaven. That's recorded for us. That's the behind-the-scenes stuff. Job, evidently, as far as we know, he never knew about that. He has a great view of the sovereignty of God. Well, here's the truth of it all. We all need to get right with God, so Bill Dad is right. We all have sins we need to confess, and that's right. And when we do, he will abundantly pardon Isaiah 55. He will. When we come to the Lord, he will abundantly pardon. They were right, Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad, to talk about this, talk about the need to turn to God. But the truth of the matter is, that doesn't answer everything. We also need to hold that intention with the sovereignty of God in good times and in bad times, positive times, negative times, happy and sad. Our God is sovereign. He knows what he is doing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Go out, folks. Have a great, great day. God has got you right where he wants you. He's got you there today in that conference. Have a great day. Come back tomorrow. The debate is going to continue. God bless. See you then.